I am Darwin Quintero and you are listening to the Sounds of the Lounge podcast. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and whenever, wherever we're meant to be together, I'll be there and you'll be near. And that's the deal, Colin Williams. Wow. I, yeah. I want Shakira. <laughs> I, went, I, went, I went with Shakira. Um, so you just uh, discussed with me how uh, you decided, instead of finishing out the LAFC game last night, you had soccer had overwhelmed you and you needed a mental break, which I can appreciate. Yes. And you chose to do that with your favorite James Bond film, which is GoldenEye. All right. Tell me why GoldenEye is your favorite, favorite James Bond. GoldenEye is my favorite James Bond movie because it was the first one I'd ever really watched because it was my sort of era growing up. I think it was like 96 or seven. It came out. So you, you had not, you did not watch the other older ones like on video or anything. Uh, Yes, but not later on. Okay. Okay. So, but this was like, you, do you see it in the theater? I don't remember. Maybe I I, I just remember being very young and and really appreciating James Bond for the first time. And, and, and that was the one. And then obviously there was the world is not enough. uh, Die another day, all those kind of ones, you know, the Pierce Brosnan era was very much my James Bond era. And, um, uh, so yeah, GoldenEye is my favorite. I, I love the the twist. I love the treachery. I, I just love everything about it. I think it's a great Bond movie. Sean Bean, top man, fabulous, just, fabulous actor. Just Sheffield's finest. Super underrated. I yeah. Think. Oh, absolutely. I can't believe. Spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you're about to yeah. Get I was going to say <laughs> you knew where I was going. With I knew this. exactly where you're going. So yeah, just be prepared to be heartbroken if you are a Game of Thrones fan and you're watching season one. That's all I'll say. Yes. Uh, that was, wasn't really what I was going for. We should have gone with the... I need little labels next to these. Um, anyways, um, yeah, uh, GoldenEye, I remember most fondly as a video game. Yeah, Fantastic and also... video game yes, for Nintendo absolutely. 64. So, uh, although I went back... I can't remember if I went back and tried to play it or I walked. No, I think I actually did try to play it when it was like an, you could get it emulated or whatever. And right. the, the, the notion of, at this point with the way video games are of like you, sh- you, there's no aiming. And if you aim, you stop moving and then you move the cursor around yeah, the screen yeah. is like, it's so wonky. Yeah. But, uh, but it was great fun, uh, when it came out. Well, that multiplayer mode was awesome, wasn't it? You know, and, and I always used to be the, um, the absolute epitome of annoyance when I selected odd job as my character. Yeah. Cause you just <laughs> walk around, nobody could shoot it's you. It's cheating. It is cheating. The, basically. The guys yeah. who, who made the game, they came out and they're like, it is cheating. Oh really? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you, you have problems if you're picking odd jobs. Oh, so, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, the, the James Bond thing is funny because to me, when I when I was growing up, um, I watched a lot of them on video. It was very popular when I was homesick, mm-hmm. and my dad would bring me a VHS tape. This is how old I am. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, we would I, would, I sort of went through the James Bond films. Mm. Um, the the first one I ever saw was Never Say Never Again. Oh wow! Which okay. was uh, and that was on again. I'm not so old that I saw it in the theater. I saw it on video, right. and it, that was the one that was made when 
I guess the joke was that Sean Connery had been James Bond and then Roger Moore was James Bond, right? Mm -hmm. And Sean Connery, when asked about it, said he would never he would never play James Bond. And then he did this movie, and so that's why it's called Never Say Never Again. <laughs> and it's just it's the same plot as Thunderball, apparently. Right. Uh, I'm a big fan of Doctor No, the yep. classics. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Sean Connery. It's a fascinating character because of the different ways that he is envisioned. Um, you know, in, in the novels, he's imagined as a much more the, the novels, the original is much closer to the Daniel Craig version, which is he's a little brutish. Yes. He's a little hard to read. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a thing that a lot of people don't sort of know who came up with James Bond in the 80s is that um, the whole martini, vodka martini shaken, not stirred was supposed to be a marker of his low class, not his marker of his high class. Really? Because, yeah, because martinis traditionally were gin martinis, okay. and that was the more refined version. And then stirring them was, was supposed to be gentler on it. Uh, you know, if you shake a martini, it cracks the ice and it leaves ice chips in the drink. And so him being, vodka was cheaper than gin. So him ordering a vodka martini shake and not stirred was sort of an indication of like, he doesn't know about the finer things. But it became this, this marker of he is so classy because yeah. he orders martinis. Um, the Pierce Brosnan... Bond was underrated in my mind. Oh, big time. Yeah. I think that I didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, I, he was way better than Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, bless Timothy Dalton. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Pierce Brosnan is so classy. In some ways, he was the sort of the, the – I mean, he was – Connery was classy, but also had a little roughness. He had a little bit of that Daniel Craig, you know, like animal thing, you know. Yes. Roger Moore was like too precise. Too sly, wasn't he? Yeah. Slick. Pierce Brosnan was a nice was a nice mix of those things. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of fondness. Those also came out sort of during, I guess that was maybe, I'm a little older than you, so I was I was a little bit older. But, yeah, I definitely mm -hmm. appreciate the, the Pierce Brosnan. The Daniel Craig revival was fantastic. Yeah, um, for me as well. I mean, I, I think Pierce Brosnan sort of, he gave it a little bit of uh, British rough and tumble type um, acting, if you will, because as we as we just said, I think previously it was just a little too smooth. You know, that some of the things that would happen, you, you would think to yourself, "My goodness, that's so far fetched. That wouldn't happen in real life." Yeah. And, uh, but I love the Daniel Craig version of James Bond because there is an element of realism about yeah. it. Um, you know, that first scene in uh, Casino Royale where he's kicking the crap out of that guy in the bathroom and everything, you know, I think to myself, that's just like, like Visceral, a real fight, yeah, you know? And yeah. um, I, I was slightly concerned that it, he was going to be slightly Americanized, and I say that with all due respect, because, you, you know, you watched, um, you know, Jason Bourne and, and the way he goes sure. about himself and everything. I got a, a little sense of that from Daniel Craig in that Casino Royale, but he stayed true to his word, very, very British and, yeah. and whatnot, and um, I think he's great. Next James Bond, though, should be Idris Elba. I'm with you. I'm I'm down for Idris Elba for sure. I think that um, I agree. Pierce Brosnan had a good. He had a good kind of like fist in a in a velvet glove quality because he looks. You know, he looks very refined. But yeah, he, he he you know he could get he could get rough when it was when it was necessary. Craig has that like his face looks kind of broken. Um, and <laughs> and, I, and I love that. But Casino Royale is one of those. I will watch that. Anytime. If I watched it the like, other week, yeah. Somebody's like, let's watch this in a row. I'm, I'm it's on totally Netflix right now, and, and I said that's where I watched Goldeneye last night. They're going through a Bond phase, and yeah. the Casino Royale was on. I think it was just before the start of the season. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no problem watching this. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right, let's talk soccer. Mm. Um, we've got a, a winning football team. We do, um, don't we? Here in Minnesota United, which is terrific. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about San Jose. Um, some of your overall impressions uh, of of the trip of facing San Jose, maybe like, you know, cause after winning against white caps, it was like, okay, we won that game, but you know, like what's the next game going to look like? What, what did you see that was sort of uh, an evolution from that first game? 
I think some of the best ways to describe San Jose, Steve, watching the game, they were about as destitute as I've seen a team, about as barren of a team I've I've seen. But but there is that that inkling in the back of the mind where you're thinking, right, it's early. And they're still obviously trying to come to terms and come to grips with what Matias Almeida is trying to do. It's very, very strange mm-hmm. um, that the whole man marking thing and everything can, um, you know, I, I, I just thought to myself, my word, if they're like this all season, it's going to be a long, long year for them. So I think they'll beat teams at, at Avaya Stadium. I don't know what they'll be like on the road. Obviously, we've not seen them yet on the road, but um, they, they show little glimpses from time to time. Obviously, they hit the post uh, through what turned out to be a box or deflection, but Wondolowski was was loitering as, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've got some some decent little pieces. I think there's an element of frustration about them though, because Matias Almeida was was promised the ability to go and uh, bring in all these all these players that he wanted to, and in the end, he's not been able to do that. You know, he's brought in the goalkeeper Vega, who I thought had a good first half. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Espinosa, the the Argentine wide player, I I, I thought was. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the brightest spark of a rather dull afternoon, though, for for them was was Judson, the the Brazilian midfielder, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought uh, I thought he he did okay. And this is the thing. This is perhaps a sign of just how bad the afternoon was. I, I just thought he was okay. You know, sure. um, he had a torrid time marking Darwin Quintero yeah. uh, the the entirety of the game, um, and I thought. Quintero really showed how smart he is as well because, uh, you know, Judson w- was playing as a holding midfielder. That's his natural position. Uh, played there in, in Brazil for many a year. And Dama Quintero knew that. So all of a sudden he decided to press himself a little higher. And Judson was almost operating as a centre-back then. Mm-hmm. And that meant there was so much space in the, the middle of the park for the likes of Jan Gregish and, and Ozzy Alonso to manoeuvre into. So mm-hmm. Darwin Quintero, again, was absolutely phenomenal. And... Um, Despite him, um, you know, not having the amount of assists and whatnot that he did last last week, uh, I, I actually think this week against San Jose he was much better, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just a joy to watch, especially when he's got the protection of, of Alonso and Gregus, like I said, around him. And it was just a, a really convincing performance, Steve. And um, you know, I, what what I will say is, you know, yeah, it's weird, isn't it, having a, a winning team in, in Minnesota, but. I'll just tell everybody just to let's just put the the foot on the brake a little yeah. bit. You know, it's yeah. it's two teams that, in my opinion, with the roster that we now have, we should be beating. Yes. I think I think the Vancouver Whitecaps game was was a, a little surprise. I, I've certainly taken a point at Vancouver at the you know before the game at the start of the season, if you'd have asked me. But good win there and a really convincing win in San Jose. But these are teams now that we should be beating. Right. The real test will come in the couple, next couple of weeks. LA Galaxy this weekend, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get on to. And then in a couple of weeks after New York Red Bulls away, yeah, that's a very difficult place to go and win. Yeah, and to not and to not look past New England, that's another thing that I, yep. I think a, a, another sign of a team sort of taking a step or, or sort of turning a corner in a way is to handle. I mean, we should definitely have beaten. I, I could see Vancouver becoming better. Over Absolutely, the will season, be. Yep. Right? yep. So that could be one of those wins that's like, oh, you beat that team early on who ended up being a good team, but they weren't there yet. Um, certainly new England seems like the weakest of the first five teams we're going to face San Jose, maybe San Jose, I would argue it, yeah. it's a bit close. So the thing is, is that sandwich between the galaxy um, at home and red bulls at home is to not look past that and to take care of business mm-hmm. in new England. So um, yeah, I thought with Darwin, you saw him a little, a little farther up. You also saw Romario, 
doing a lot more running in behind. Yeah, she did um, his job this weekend, didn't do, yeah. Doing a little less of the, the sort of the hold-up play, which, again, you had said you had said to me last week was a thing you saw in training that yep. Adrian was like, you know, get out there, like get ahead of it. And you saw Romario taking advantage of some of those uh, those some some of those opportunities. So I was also really the, – the the man-marking thing with San Jose is, is was very interesting the first week. It, it does make me wonder about how valuable that's – it seems like that system can be great if you have the personnel and if they're committed and if everybody understands their role. Mm. Is it worth pursuing that if you're if you don't? You know, I think that this is a question that you know I think you see it all the time in a lot of different sports. Like a coach mm. is like, "This is what how I want to operate." Yeah, you saw it a little bit with with uh, Adrian in the first two years that he's like, "This is how I want to play," but we didn't really have the personnel to play it. You sure. know, um, now it seems like those those it's paying dividends now. Um, is it worth trying to implement a man marking system if you just if if it's not going to be fully executed? Would it be better to just punt on that and say we're just going to go back to zone? Well, um, it's it's going to be a question that Matias Almeida will have to look himself in the mirror one day yeah. and ask if it carries on like this. You know, it's um, their, their fixture list doesn't get any easier as well. They've got a couple of really intriguing games coming up on the road, and mm-hmm. uh, that that'll be the the real the real test I think for them is. You know, obviously they've got two home losses now, so that they've got. To, if it carries on like this, they've got to rethink things at home. Yeah. But I wonder how this is going to fare on the roads. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting, but uh, yeah, look for me the earthquakes, and I <laughs> don't mean to be disrespectful, but I thought they were pitiful. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were absolutely hopeless. And um, Matias Almeida has got a gargantuan job on his hand there. Yeah, I thought that uh, one thing that was interesting was to watch. I like to see. There's. I felt like there was a lot of good creativity to deal with the man marking. Uh, and and Adrian implemented some interesting stuff that we saw early on. I was like, is Boxy? Boxy's like running he's all the way up there on the yes. left wing, you know? Mm. And he, so he was pushing all the way up on the left side. Ozzy was dropping back to sort of almost play centrally. Yep. Yeah, and then Calvo was like ahead of Schuler, who was tucked in. Yep. Um, Miguel was like crossing all the way over to the left side early on, uh, which, you know, it was fun to see because it sort of felt like, oh, you're going to man mark us? Like, we're going to mess up all of yes, that correct. stuff. That's exactly what happened. And, and that was fun to see because I feel like we, it, it, again, I'm glad to see the team win. It's fantastic. It's also fun to just see that they have the personnel to try things because to me the most interesting thing along the way of a season is seeing how a team deals with certain challenges. And so when you say, well, this is how this other team defends, and it's like, you know, what are we going to do to sort of try to upend that? And it was it was really fun to see, you know, and like I'm looking forward to seeing more of that adventurous, sort of positionally adventurous soccer as that confidence builds and as the chemistry builds. Yeah, and I think, you know, that they've been working on on – the kind of things you've just spoken about all week in training. And um, I remember there was, was it um, Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't remember, but there was a very, very specific training session where Adrian was in the middle of the field telling the players, look, I know this is weird, but this is how they play. This is right. what they do. Yeah. And so you mentioned the likes of Miguel Ibarra tucking in, but tucking all the way in. Yeah. How many times did Roman Metanel get down the right-hand side? Miguel, Miguel was, like, tucked in as far as, like, a hotel sheet. Like, he was, like, he was, he was so tucked in. He was tucked in big time. But then what that did was that, yeah. that release, obviously, the left-back who has to follow him. Yeah. Then that space for Roman Metanel to get in behind. And there was so much service again from, yeah. from Roman. So, I mean... Metanel had, like, acres over there. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 again, look, this is because of the, the system that Adrian implemented. So, um, look, it was, it was really, uh, really good scouting on, on Minnesota United's. Uh, behalf and, and 
you know, I think they, um, they they did their due diligence looking at the way the earthquakes play, and, and, and well done to them because they've not had a lot to work with, just one game, right. you know, and maybe yeah. they had a look at them a little bit in preseason. But uh, look, really convincing win. On to LA next. Yes, let's um, let's gavel in a new session of the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society. Hold up, and discuss Ozzy <laughs> Alonso. Ugh. Uh, who, as um, I was looking at uh, uh, Matt Doyle's uh, sort of, you know, armchair analyst uh, column oh. from this week, talking about, it was good. He talked about, he was, <laughs> a thing that I had sort of noticed as well, like I talked about with, with Ozzy, that his, his role has changed a little bit. He's been passing a lot and very well. His passing accuracy is, has been incredible. Mm. And he's sort of, I mean, he's still doing those things on the defensive side of the ball, like getting it back, you know, being a, a destroyer, but he's also taking some of that like playmaking responsibility from the back, um, which is really, which is really fun to see. And he's always been a good passer, mm. but I think it's just taking, you know, it's not a wholesale change. It's just sort of adding this little extra element for the, for Minnesota United, which is fun. Well, I think as well with, with the, um, with a player like young Gregor alongside him, he, he at times can express himself a little more. Um, I'm not entirely convinced he enjoys doing it as much, but um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, but when, when you see Alonso go, Grigish will, will drop in. Um, they complement each other quite well. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be a, a key thing for Minnesota moving forward. But Ozzy was, uh, again, just supreme for me. I thought he was fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned Michael Boxall, um gallivanting forward and, and yeah. whatnot and very uncharacteristically, but, um, you know, he was, he was given the ability to do so. He, he found a lot of space. Um, so he op- opted to go into it and yeah, Alonso just covers and just sits in and he makes know, that all that possible. Like Ozzy. Yeah, I mean, Oparo was getting forward. Absolutely. You and know, like, and, and look, center back, which is if, great. If this would have happened, you know, a year or two, I'd have been having kittens. I'd have been so nervous. Yeah. You know, where's the center back going? He's, he's so out of position, Yeah. <laughs> but now Alonso just covers so well. He reads the game very, very well. Uh, he, he, he's such an important piece of, of what we're trying to do. And, um, yeah, for me again, you know, I, I, he should have had the Bellbank Man of the Match in my opinion. But sure. um, you know, look, it was it was a really really good team performance, and um, Alonso was at the epicenter of it. Yeah. Uh, another question I, I had thinking about it is um, watching Vito Manone, who obviously um, had less time with the team. He came in late. Uh, he had to go back uh, to work on his paperwork. So um, I feel like. The keeper thing is it, the role of the goalkeeper is interesting to me because I know like Bobby Shuttleworth became sort of a folk hero over the, the first two seasons here for things like breaking his nose and staying in the <laughs> game and, and yep. just being tough as nails and stopping tons of shots. You know, Vito has obviously not been called on in that same way so far, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, there's sort of this weird thing that, like, you almost want the keeper to not – you don't want to even notice your keeper, right? He's yeah. made the saves he needs to make. You yep. know, he's he's done a good job. But it's – I sort of wonder about, like, you know, is there any way for a keeper to develop that personality that fans embrace without having a defense that is just allowing a ton of shots, you know? Well, that's the thing. That That, that is the absolute nail on the head there, Steve, is I do feel slightly sorry for Bobby Shuttleworth because, yeah, I mean, he – he was absolutely there when called upon for Minnesota yeah. United. Uh, and let's be honest, he had a, a fairly wayward backline ahead of him yeah. over the last two seasons. And I wonder what he would be like this year. But Manone instills uh, a confidence, no doubt about it. Um, you know, some of the, the saves that he's made so far, they are ones that he's needed to, to make. Um, you know, he's not really had the opportunity to make a spectacular save yet, uh, which is good, as you say. Um, I, I thought he, he commanded his box quite well. He's, he's perhaps not as not as vocal as, as Bobby Shuttleworth is. Mm-hmm. But, 
He uh, his positioning is very very good. Uh, there's been a couple of really good punches uh, when the ball's coming from a from a wide area. Yeah, aggressive corner. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a really good goalkeeper. Um, really nice guy as well. Have have got to know him over the last couple of weeks on the road nice. as well, and yeah. uh, told me some some really. Great stories about Arsene Wenger and his time at Arsenal and whatnot, and uh, which I won't repeat. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, you know he's uh, yeah he's he's a really really good character, really good for the locker room. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to admit I, this, this is what happens when I watch a game right before we do a podcast. I just take a lot of notes on things. Uh, yeah. And then I, and <laughs> I just good. want to talk about a bunch of different little things. Uh, the 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 free kick that led to the own goal. Yep. Um, off of off of Cummings, I thought it was a really good example of. You know, again, how improving at set pieces doesn't always just mean somebody in your team successfully scores a goal. Mm. But you can see you could see from Gregush's service that like it's it's a hard ball. It's curving in. Oh, yeah. It's difficult to handle. A ball just being difficult to handle just opens up possibilities for things to happen. And that's yep. you know, that's what you saw. You know, you saw Vega sort of it looked like he wasn't sure if the ball the ball was gonna go past the post mm-hmm. or if he was gonna have to defend against Boxy who was running in on the ball. And then he just hit the post and went in and he was sort of shocked. And again, that's one of those things that like you just want a, a good free kick just has to cause trouble. Like it doesn't necessarily have to result directly in a clean look at goal off somebody's head. Yeah. Um, and that was, I, I, and again, I think that's one of the ways that the, the free kick having Gregory on those free kicks and on those corner kicks is going to be good. Yeah. I was, I think I said this to you before in, in preseason, Steve, I was quite surprised with Gregory's ability from a set piece. Um, you know, he's a, he's a big lad and you know, naturally when you, when you think of, um, man mountain like figures you think right well they're going to be a great option inside the box Get for the head for on the, it, yeah. the set piece but um no and i'm sure when people saw him taking the set piece for the first time in vancouver everybody was thinking no what are you doing getting the box but right. he's by far the best set piece taker we have and um it was something he he, he was used upon and called upon very often for in uh, in copenhagen and um i think uh, f- for me the ball that he played in for the free kick for the goal it was right in that corridor of uncertainty where, you know, it's behind the defenders, but it's in front of the goalkeeper. So it really causes uh, uh, an element of, of confusion between the two sets of players there because the defenders, they know if they touch it leaning back, it's going to go towards their own goal. The defender, the goalkeeper doesn't know whether to come for it or not because it's there's loads of bodies coming towards him. He's not really sure what to do. And, yeah. and in the end, it obviously took a, a fortunate deflection. And I think I remember saying something like it, it was... Um, uh, fortune favoring the, the brave or something like that and and it absolutely was because you know Minnesota didn't have to do that they were very comfortable they were leading 2-0 yeah but to go on and and, and the want and the drive and then the the need and lust to score a third um I I thought was 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 evident and, and was great um showed a, a lot of character on the road to go and do that you know there's plenty of teams in this league that would have just settled for the two and you know taken the ball away over mm-hmm. to the far side into the corner or whatever I know there was 12 minutes or so left but a lot of teams in that situation will just keep the ball and keep possession. But, um, you know, it, it, it was a really, uh, really fabulously delivered free kick. And it, it gives the likes of Boxall and Opara hope for the future as well moving forward because they, they know they're going to get good service from out wide. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, uh, yeah, look, again, a, a, another string to the bow of Minnesota United. Yeah. the I believe the British Special Forces, their, their slogan is who dares wins, which I always, which oh, I always really? liked. And so I feel like that sort of goes along that uh yeah. You can just put that in your back pocket if yeah. you need it during the game. But it's also British. So um but yeah, that shows why you put the, the ball on goal when you when you hit a free kick. I mean that obviously it went off Cummings, but it was it's kind of one of those things where you want to hit it such that if nothing gets in the way, it would go into the goal, right? Yeah, well, and then and then you know, you, you see if it bounces around a little bit. Like Cummings sort of like pushed it, it went off his back, it seemed like, you know, yes. sort of hit him in the shoulders. And so it went a little bit 
farther than you would think. And that's why I went into that, that corner, but it was, you know, it was, it would have intersected the face of goal if not interrupted. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if Cummings doesn't touch it, it ends up in the, at the feast maybe of box hall anyway, at the back back post. So Great free kick, and, and it's so good to have that that ability and that delivery in the Minnesota United team. Yeah. Uh, last note about the game before I move on. Uh, that's, you know, San Jose obviously has a long road ahead of them. I wanted to say I can't say enough good things about Danny Houston's hair. His uh, his hair is is fantastic. I don't well, know. He came in as a clutch sub with that yes. hair. Um, he's obviously been a, kind of a, a bugbear for Minnesota United. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. I, I was just uh, struck as he was coming in that just it's he's got a, he's got a flow – it's a, it's a good head of hair. Fabulous locks. Yeah. And uh, I, like you said, I'm, I'm so glad for the first time on this podcast, we're talking about Danny Houston and his hair and not his scoring <laughs> not against scoring Minnesota it. United. You know I mean? <laughs> yes. He absolutely has been the senior pest, hasn't he, for yeah. San Jose against Minnesota. And, um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, great hair. Great hair. But whilst we're talking about hair, what about Matias Almeida? My oh, man. Words. I was like, he, he's like Antonio Banderas out there. Yeah. Like, he, looks, he looks amazing. <laughs> uh, the hair is fantastic. So Luscious locks. Yeah. Beyond belief. You um, better not cut it. He pulled because it's tough. I think it's tough for the, the the older gentleman. I mean, he's not that old, right? But like, you know, once you're out of your twenties, if you have long hair, like, how do you keep it business, but also, you know, f- get that flowiness? Well, it's and, like looking after a mane, I would assume. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, you you pulled it off. For, for I've had long. I mean, I've had long hair for sure. Um, yeah. And it's it's. I mean, I I like having long. I can't see really growing it out again at this point. It's it's gone. It's gone past no. me. But but Almeida is. You know, he's got. It, it seems formal, you know, he doesn't look bedraggled. It's like, but he's got good body. I wonder what kind of products he uses. We should see if he has kind of. Let's, let's send the note to the earthquakes. Yeah. What kind of products does Almeida <laughs> use? Because we, we desperately need to know this. Yeah. Well, so far, I mean, San Jose in the lead for all hair team. I mean, you yep. know. Yep. Especially uh, with Breckshay going with the dreads, which I can't really abide. Yeah, uh, I know. So I know. We might touch on that later. What are you doing, Breck? Uh, let's <laughs> let's move on to let's talk about the LA Galaxy, um, who who we're going to head to Carson to face. Mm. Um, they lost. They lost. Did to FC Dallas without yeah. Zlatan. Um, poor. The thing that stuck out to me is that uh, uh, Dallas had sixty four percent of the possession. Yeah, which is quite a lot. Um, you know, like, LA is already dealing with some issues, uh, some absences. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you, like, what do you, how do you feel about the Galaxy right now? Look, I think the Galaxy right now, they've, they've got a couple of injury issues, haven't they? And and that most certainly would have played its part in the the result at FC Dallas. The possession stat surprises me because they, they do play with, with three central midfielders, but one of them slightly higher than, than the other two. But, um, you, you would assume that they would be okay in terms of possession, um, you know, they don't have... Uh, I know Juninho didn't play against Dallas, which, which is an issue for them because his ball retention has been has been great ever since he's been in Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Corona as well obviously made his debut. And, um, you yeah, know, like, on, like the day after. He, yeah, day after he <laughs> was, came in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that shows that, that they are they are stretched and they needed bodies in that area. When, I, I'll tell you, the thing about, about, about Joe Corona, I can't... It's never hear his name without thinking. Joe Corona. It's one of those. I just... Uh, it just really makes me want a beer. That's, uh, that's sure. the only thing I think of. You we know. need a Joe Coronas. Joe... I don't have yeah, a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, We're working up for next week, shall yeah. we? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think the Galaxy right now... Um, look, all, all eyes are obviously focusing on, on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, yeah. and, and quite rightly so, and obviously he wasn't available um, against FC Dallas. Uh, there's 
little whisper that uh, he's he's around about 50-50 for the game over the weekend. So mm. I'm sure Minnesota United fans will will not want him available. They'd rather <sighs> see him in person when he comes to Allianz Field in a couple of weeks. Sure. But, um, you know, I, I think um, uh, selling um, Omar Kamara... Um, Ola Kamara, sorry, to uh, too many Kamaras. Yeah, so many Kamaras. So many Godoys. That's the other thing I realized. <laughs> I was like, wait, how many? Another Godoy? one. <laughs> Those are the only two. But that's two okay. Kamaras and two Godoys. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of guys named Godoy. So. Um, Ola Kamara went off to, to Shenzhen in the Chinese Super League, and, and the Galaxy got a boatload of money for that. They used some of that to bring in uh, Joe Corona. So Joe I don't, I, Corona. I, I don't know what what they're gonna do. Um, you know, Alison Drini's had a bit of an issue as well, so I don't know what they're going to do. They they have allegedly upgraded defensively from what I've seen so far. That that certainly isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I I would argue that the Galaxy are there for the taking after that uh, that loss in, in Dallas for sure. Yeah, I sort of had them pegged as as one of the more difficult outs over this first five games before the season started, but Mm. dealing with things like, you know, I I felt like they were, had maybe one of the highest variances for teams, you know, like if you've got Zlatan, if I mean, we, you know, Alessandrini is, is a terrific player. Zlatan's a terrific Mm -hmm. player. If those guys are there, you know, their ceiling is high without some of those guys. I feel like, like you said, sort of ripe for the taking. Yeah. And, and, and look for me, the galaxy have, have, (sighs) Since memory, <laughs> they have been right at the peak of Major League Soccer. So, so there is yeah. there is a certain expectancy with the Galaxy, and you know I'm just looking at the formation now and going up against Dallas, and you know there's there is an element of inconsistency inconsistency about them. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan dos Santos will will, will sit, Legette will go ahead of Corona, Boltang. You know, yeah, he's he's okay, he's fine, but it's not Alessandrini. Right. Uh, they were forced to play Chris Pontius up top, you know, without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Obviously, Kamara went, as we said. So th- there is an element of expectation with the Galaxy, always, always has been, and there always will be, simply because of, of the star power they've brought into the league over the, you know, the uh, history of them themselves. And nobody will ever think about the Galaxy and, and not think about David Beckham as well. You right. know, that's that's just the way it'll be for forever now. And they they changed the trajectory of of the league with that signing uh, in 2007 and um, so yeah I mean look they're, they're always going to bring in superstars that they're always going to have expectancy about them I, I loved the appointments of Scalotto I, I I thought that was wonderful obviously you know again it's another um, another example of, of how far MLS has come the fact that the, you're poaching the manager from Boca Juniors you know yeah. I mean that's <laughs> that says a lot so. Um, but I just don't know, Steve. I just don't know. I, I feel like the Galaxy have yet to really get into rhythm. But we'll we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll go to cast and they'll thump us. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. Right. Well, that was, you know, and it's it's funny to be sitting now on six points because thinking back, you know, to this these first five games uh, on the road before opening at Allianz Field, I remember thinking, you know, if we get if we get a, if we average a point a game, right? If we get five points out of this. It's a good. It's a good start to the season. Mm. You know, two tough outs. Galaxy at home. Red Bulls at home. Uh, three other games we should win. I thought, okay, maybe we win or draw two of those games mm. and lose one of them unexpectedly, and then maybe win or draw one of the ones that's going to be a challenge, and then lose the other one. Right. Instead, we've just outright won the first two. Yeah. And uh, but now I want. Now I want more. <laughs> Yeah, no, you get greedy, absolutely. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this winning tastes good, right? I mean, yeah, right. You know, I, I look that there are areas that I first of all, I can't believe we've gone this far. 
uh, talking about the Galaxy and not, not talking about uh, F.N. Alvarez as well, you know, 16 oh, years of oh, age. Oh, man, and, yeah. Oh, my word, you know, he, he may very well be the next uh, superstar that that's, uh, is is in Major League Soccer, so um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. But Yeah, he'll be fun. His performance that first week, that little cutback oh, and assist was fantastic. fantastic so. Yeah, so, um, but the, the area where, where I would expect Minnesota to, to go out the Galaxy, um, should they stay with the personnel they have, that they've got the Norwegian defender, Skelevek, at left-back, and uh, to my knowledge, he is left-footed, mm-hmm. but he is traditionally a centre-back. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if if Miguel Ibarra is going to be told to to go and, and get in behind. And and also, we, we may see something similar again, where you know we, we know Roman Metanair is going to go at him, but yeah. will we see again Ibarra tucking inside and Metanair going down the line again? We, yeah. we don't know. I mean, that seems to be the obvious thing to do straight away, just just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We've well, got those, that option. You saw that. It's kind of nice to have that 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 sense of well, you can sort of overload one side of the field and see if anything happens there. And if it doesn't, then you open the other side. Mm. And and right now we can sort of do that either way with with Calvo and Metinair, you know, sort of. Uh, so you could l- try to overload the right side, yes, and then kick it over to Calvo on the left side with with space out there. So you know, you've got you've got you've got options, and you know that's that's kind of that's fun to have. Yeah, and look, Calvo will be adventurous. He's obviously given the license to to oh, be yes. abrasive now, which is great. But I, I will say, I. I I would plead with him to be slightly more reserved because, yeah. um, you know, Manuel Boateng can get in behind with his pace. Also, just behind him is uh, Ralph Felcher as well, who's, who's not bad going forward as well. So we'll wait and see. That The one um, area that I'm really interested to watch during this game, though, Steve, is the, the battle, the inevitable battle, uh, between um, Jonathan De Santos and, and Darwin Quintero. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the two have, uh, have clashed before. Playing in uh, in the Champions League and the Concacaf Champions League and um, on the international stage and, and various other avenues and um, you know I'm I'm intrigued to see how that goes. You know Darwin's obviously just had a, a tremendous afternoon getting the better of, of Judson, um, so that that'll be an area to watch for sure. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a fun game. It's always fun to see games um, out there. You know, uh, it's lovely to see some nice weather. We don't have nice weather <laughs> yet, so. We're getting there, though. <laughs> They've got that for them. It's it's getting a little meltier out there, which is the, definitely the, good to see. So the blue skies aren't quite as deceiving as they as they have been over the last right. two months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's touch. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on briefly: uh, Atlanta United. Mm. Um, first of all, I would like to say that I think it's fantastic for the game of soccer. Their success has been, yep. you know, in the United States. I mean, yep. to draw those kind of crowds um, looks it, fantastic. Yeah, it, it looks. You know, it's great. They're they've got. They've got a lot of fun stuff that goes on with the hammering and the spike. They've got their kits look good. Uh, obviously, they, they have a ton of support. It's fantastic. Um, their struggles are delicious. Like, I, <laughs> as, a, as a partisan, a little partisan, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, to me, the thing is not so much. I mean, sure, there's the schadenfreude of it, which is, which is appealing. But also that I think just to, for people to understand that, I think it was easy to say, this is how you make a team, right? You, right. you, you spend a ton of money, <laughs> which, which they did, obviously. Um, but they also did it very well in those first two seasons. And it's also possible to spend money and have it not work out as well. And I think it's good to be reminded that it isn't easy, you know, just because you had a lot of money mm. and, and you spent it on people. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy in MLS. Um, no. And you can see they just couldn't get, they couldn't get the ball to Barco, <laughs> you know, or Pitti. You know, it was uh, – I was looking at stats for this uh, in terms – just in terms of touches, which obviously touches are, can be – you know, it's not a – it's not an advanced stat. It's just mm. – it, it, it's a little it's a little rough. Um, but, like, Breckshay had 77 touches. Um, Pitti had 56, and Barco had 29. So when Breckshay 
has almost as much as those two guys together. Like something's a little bit off about yeah. how this is how they're playing. Yeah, and, and look, I, I quite frankly, I don't have the million dollar answer as to what's going wrong with Atlanta United right they now. They would give you a million dollars if you did have that answer. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> Easy money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think um, right now, I think they're obviously not used to to this kind of start. But I, I, I seriously doubt that this is the way they're going to continue the season. I agree. You know, it, it's just a rough start, and that's fine. Look, the, the year they won MLS Cup last year, they started the season with a 4-0 loss at Houston. Yep. It's just, you know, sometimes you, you start poorly, you know. I, I just can't see them carrying on like this. Um, the, the, there might be a little bit of an issue in, in central midfield for them. Um you know, no, no Miguel Almiron anymore, obviously. That, that's a, a huge, huge blow for them. I think, yeah, I would also say, I mean, I, I agree. Things are probably going to get better for them overall as they, mm. as they get more comfortable with it. I feel like these first couple of games have really been making the case for Almiron should have been MVP last year, like just based on seeing yep. the fact that like so much of what Joseph Martinez did, which was terrific, was fueled was by him, the yes. ability of Miguel to get it up to him. So. Yeah, I, I won't disagree with that at all. I think the, the one thing I noticed and I was watching the game on our flight back from San Jose and, uh, you know, Taylor Swan made a good point and I would agree with him, but he was mentioning this point throughout the whole uh, last couple of games uh, about Atlanta when, for me, it was just this game. Uh, Remedy, the, the central midfielder, the Argentine, who is traditionally a holding midfielder, he was asked to press a little higher against Cincinnati and, and, and I agree with what Taylor was saying and it's, it's not his game. It's not what he's supposed to do um, or what he's used to doing because that role was been asked of Jeff Laurentowitz um, on uh, on Sunday against Cincinnati. So they're, they're straight away, they, they don't have as much creativity from the centre of midfield as, as they've been used to over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, Petit Martinez, um, I, I, I thought he was average. I didn't think there was much going on there. I thought Barco still, still needs some... Uh, I think he needs to mature a little bit as well. I think he's still very, very raw. Exciting, no doubt about it. But sure. still think he was very raw. Um, the ball that that uh, Julian Gressel played in for Martinez for the goal, once that goal went in, I thought to myself, wow, this this could be a real thumping for, yeah. for Cincinnati. Yeah, I thought the same. Um, so I, I wonder moving forward, do if I was in charge of Atlanta, I, I would I would play Julian Gressel in the center of midfield now. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he's such a good outlet um, and they have the bodies to to play other players out wide and everything as well. Um, the one spark, apart from the goal and whatnot from Atlanta, was was the performance of Miles Robinson. And this is also something. Yeah. This is something that the the U.S. national team fans need to to keep an eye on as well, because you know, obviously, he went second overall in the draft, uh, just behind Abu Ladi. And Abu for me will will have his day. He he will continue to to develop, and and, and I hope that's this season. But Miles Robinson for me. I think Frank De Boer has has seen something in him. He spent last year playing a lot of games in USL for Atlanta United 2, uh, which is obviously, as we're now discovering, a very good tool to have, mm-hmm. um, whether it's an affiliation or your own uh, version of yourselves in a lower league. Uh, Miles Robinson, for me, with with Michael Parkhurst teaching him along the way, alongside him, is great. I think Gonzalez Perez can be a little bit erratic from time to time. Yeah. But having someone like Miles Robinson to tidy up for him, I actually I actually think giving Miles Robinson a little bit of responsibility is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. So I I would say that, that that's a real positive for for Atlanta and and for US uh, soccer moving forwards. You have to give credit because uh, before I move on because let's not forget Please. Fernando Adi hardly had a sniff. I know, I know he scored which was offside, but he had to get away from Robinson to score that goal. It was actually Michael Parkhurst's man. Right. Um and 
Apart from that, Fernando Adi hardly had a sniff, and, and a lot of that comes down to the performance of Miles Robinson, in my opinion. Yeah. Moving forward, though, you have to give a round of applause to FC Cincinnati. You know, they they know what they are right now. They'll go on the road. They'll make it difficult. They'll pack in. I couldn't believe how packed in the midfield was. Yeah, there was yeah. no room at all. Yeah. Um, and maybe this was a, another issue for, for Remedy and, and, and why there was not much creativity from the centre of the park, you know. And um, well done to, you know, a player like Victor Uyoa, who, who's been in this league for a long time with FC Dallas. He, he knows how to go on the road and win. Uh, Batone, I thought, was, was incredibly disciplined as well. Uh, Alan Cruz tucked in. Uh, Roland Lamar was disciplined and... and um, you know, was was uh, was able to read the situation and, and timed his run for the goal to perfection. Lovely ball through as well uh, for the goal. Kikuta Mane, when when he uh, was playing, he he pressed when he was supposed to press. Um, you know, I, I think Cincinnati will frustrate a lot of people this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the addition of, of Kenny Safe will, will be interesting as well to see what kind of a role he plays. Obviously, came on for the last six seven minutes or whatever it was. Um, I, I think um, Cincinnati have got some interesting pieces. And, and I think I think it was Jamie Walton who mentioned this, actually, a couple of weeks ago. I can see a lot of 1-0s and 1-1s in their future. Sure. Uh, 1-0s at home, 1-1s on the road. I, I can see them frustrating a lot of people this year. Yeah, I kind of love I, – I, first of all, I love the counterattack. It's one of my favorite things. As someone who came from basketball and loves a fast break. Sure. Similar to that. And I kind of love a team that's just going to be like 35% possession. All right, let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> like that's kind of what they did. They just yeah. let, you know, Atlanta sit there, mm-hmm. you know, 45 yards out, like cycling the ball around and then made them play it over their defenders. And then they couldn't find anybody. Most of the time it was yeah. Gressel finding Martinez that one time. And yeah, it, absolutely. And they, so it's like that. I, I, I kind of like that cause I do love counterattacking soccer. So yeah, they, they, they obviously had a game plan and they did it very well. And, um, you know, I, I, as I said, I, I think this will be a consistent theme for them moving forward. Just looking at the bench as well, you know, they've still got some of the, the players who can help them absorb a lot of that pressure as well. But some players that may actually improve that possession stat as well, players that may be able to retain a little bit more possession, like Eric Alexander and uh, Stanko as well, who's come over from, from Freiburg in, in Germany. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see him play in Major League Soccer as well. So, But, yeah, they break away quickly. They, they have the tools like Mane and, and Darren Mattox, as you said. Roland Lamar obviously was a big example and a successful example of, of that as well. So, um, as I have said, I, I think it'll be a continuous theme for them and they will continue to frustrate many teams in Major League Soccer. Not saying they're going to do well and sure. make the playoffs and all that kind of stuff because right, I don't right. think they will. I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, at the moment, but um, that they are going to frustrate, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, I, and again, just to finish up with Atlanta United again, I think that they may not be magical this mm. year. The sort of they were unbelievable last year in yes. terms of in terms of the regular season. Uh, they may not do that again, but they can still be a, a very good team who are going to be oh, a yeah. threat and dangerous. You know, so uh, until that happens, though, I will continue to drink their salty tea <laughs> uh, as much as possible. So, uh, thanks for joining us for the forty eighth Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next. Next game is on Saturday, March 16th against LA Galaxy at 9.30 p.m. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus and listen on Score North. We also have a watch party, which I am now blanking on where it is. Late uh, Tavern? Lake Tavern? Well, there's about 54 other watch parties I mean, there's a ton of places well, to watch. Great. Just check our check our check check the social media feeds. You, yes. will see, you will see where to go to check out. Th- those have been really fun. It's been fun to see the videos afterwards of people in the bar oh, singing Wonderwall, which is it's fantastic. It's been fantastic. So. Check the website. Check the app as well. I'm sure the app will have some oh yeah on it. download that app uh be sure to leave us a nice review on itunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on twitter at mnufc you can follow cal at CalWilliams.com and me at steve Entris. and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you 
exactly as you are.